So the title of this talk, Dharma talk, is That's Not Confusion. Um, I wasn't sure of what I was going to say, but I thought the title might help me a little bit. So, of course, it's confusion. When you're confused, you're confused. You don't know, should I, shouldn't I? But we tend to make it worse by not understanding what confusion is. And we, we attribute to whatever we call confusion, we put attributions or judgments or ideas on top of it that prevent us from seeing deeply into, you could say, the heart of the confusion, the very nature of the causes and conditions of what I've run into recently called, uh, that it's called, uh, uh, I probably have this all wrong since I'm not a medical person, but epidemiology, isn't that where you kind of glance at something and come to conclusions? Don't do it. Do your own research. Be your, be your own, go deeply into it. And how do you do that? You, anything that arises, like we've been sitting here, sitting still for a couple of hours, and then two hours, no, two, sitting still and watching what comes and goes. Don't do anything with that. Even if it looks like confusion, don't name it. Don't give it a name. Don't give it a credential so that it can persist. If you name it, and again, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that we shouldn't name things. We need to, but be very careful what the intention is around the naming. Because quite often the naming is about not looking at it. It's about, more about trying to get rid of it or deal with it than actually going in and saying, what is this? Use your insight, your intelligence, so that you can see clearly. Don't believe anything I say. Don't believe anything anybody says. Don't believe anything you think. Don't disbelieve anything you think. And don't ignore it. Enough said. End of talk. <laughs> so what, what am I saying? I'm saying what, what, the practice of this is to be aware and see how much our mind continually grasps at something. This must be true. Well, that isn't true. We continually manipulate. And this is based on the, the fear-based aspect of the consciousness, which we commonly call ego or self-centeredness or in the Yogacara tradition. And I won't go too much into this. The Yogacara tradition breaks the consciousnesses down into uh, eight different uh, categories. And they're actually not separate from each other. They just look like it, just like you can't hear with your eyes. You can't uh, smell with a sense of touch. But they're not that different. They overlap. And the more you work with your consciousness in a radical, meaning radix or root, go to the root of it. Don't settle for anything that appears and tries to give you some kind of propaganda about this is a way to do it. You do it yourself. Go to the root of it so you can actually see what this is. It may not be pleasant, but it could be the truth. And if it's the truth, you won't need to check in with anyone. You'll know it. It's like it's the same thing. Fire is hot. Earth is hard. Wind moves. Water is what? what? Yeah. We're not confused about that. Those are the basic elements. And then there's a space and consciousness. But, uh, but and. It's not a, if you if you if you just opt for a description of it. I'm so confused. I'm not saying you should make that statement. Go ahead. But also go further into it. What is confusion? The what question. Uh, if you go to why am I confused? Circular. Uh, I can just about guarantee that. Kind of. Because if you say why, there's always a because. And it's usually based on a bunch of concepts, considerations, opinions, ideas, judgments that either you've accumulated in a shoebox somewhere 
or somebody else has been telling you or somebody with a lot of charisma and they're all over the place. Go on YouTube, look at four or five things and there's lots of shiny people trying to get you to do what they want you to do because they think they're right. I'm not here to convince you of anything. You, when you walk in this room, you give me permission because I've been looking at this mind for a long time and I have some understanding about it. And I'm here to share that with you if you're interested. If you're not, of course, do whatever you want to do. There's no promises, no guarantees. That's cheap. Anytime we guarantee anything, it's disrespecting someone to guarantee anything to anybody. You can't do that. You can't really guarantee anything. I'm not saying you can't say, I'm 98% sure that that boat I'm selling you won't sink. But there's 2%. Go ahead, Toji. Uh, how, how do we go into the confusion without labeling further? All you do is watch that you're labeling. It's always about awareness. So I say don't label, but I know you can't help doing that. I can't help it. But by saying don't label, that, that brings our awareness down to the actual bootstraps of the whole thing. You actually see the way you can't quite label. It's awareness. It's awareness about the particular nature of that phenomenon that you're looking at, whatever it may be, or that confusion that we, we tend to settle. I'm so confused. I'm so confused. I wish I wasn't so confused about that. I can't seem to figure that out. Don't figure anything out. Don't look away from it. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. I'll, I never say to any person who is a student of mine, or just accept it. That's a cheap shot, I think. As if you could just accept things. You can't accept things, but you can watch the way you cling. You can, you can, you can actually be a witness of the way you got your emotions by the throat. And you don't want to let go of them because something could get worse. So just observe the way that's what this meditation practice is about. It's sharpening the blade of the awareness. So when you go back into the everyday life of chopping radishes, you got a sharp knife. You're not, you're not working with a butter knife. Go ahead. What's the difference between uh, accepting and receiving? Uh, accepting is a, there's a follow, you get a little tiny, uh, about the size of a bottle cap credential. I'm just trying to accept things. And receiving is, you won't be really sure that you're receiving. You won't get any credit for it. But what you're doing is like, right, right now, I don't have to do anything. I'm just receiving your appearance. And I'm also receiving all the other people in the room and the window and the trees outside and my hand moving in front of this, whatever this is. I'm just receiving, just receiving. Don't, if you, the way to, the subtle way that we stop receiving is we, anything that arises, we judge what it is. We analyze it, we name it name and form we, we give it a credential and separates it from the rest of the world in this world if you see it truly for what it is nothing is separate anywhere there are no individual beings anywhere i'm not saying there isn't an amazing illusion that we call relative truth where things go up and down and they live and they die and they're happy and they're sad but it's a polarity you can't have happiness without sadness you can't have life without death and but those who are alive, like we all are right now, kind of want to cling on to this. So I'm not saying you shouldn't, but just watch the clinging. You don't have to get rid of anything. Isn't that isn't that a good thing to hear? It's always struck me as pretty cool that you don't have to get rid of anything. You have to be another person. You get to be exactly who came into this incarnation. You get to be this person. It may not feel if you understand that. It may not feel like you thought it was going to feel. The ego gets pretty disappointed when it finds out it's it's at its own funeral. 
And another way of saying that is it's ego death, but another way of saying it is ego isn't real, so you have to get rid of it anyway. So you have this, you might live the rest of your life with this uh, uh, this aspect of your mind that wants to get things and keep other things away and manipulate things, but you just don't believe it. It's like having a, a, a same old marionette, but no strings. Same old puppet, no hand. Yes, Rusheen. You said just don't believe it. So what is the difference between just not believing it and ignorance? So ignorance, uh, let's just start with the belief. So not believing it is to is to look at the situation and don't uh, give it any kind of, don't add any, whatever credentials are there, fire's hot. You don't have to believe. If you've experienced fire, then you don't have to believe it's hot. It's hot. It's just that. But to but the ignorance part is something that you shut down on that you you may it may take you a while to see the way you've been ignoring something that you thought you were totally clear about because you you believed in the the way it appeared because it's your projection. Here's the thing that's appearing, and here's your idea about it. You think you're looking at it. You're looking at your ideas, your judgments, your opinions about it. And this kind of practice will eventually. Uh, you could say erode those, and the way, the way they get eroded is that you stop fueling it. You actually begin to look at your mind deeply. Takes a while, and not just months either. Takes a long time. So the whole ignorance part of the three poisons, passion, aggression, and ignorance, that's the hardest one because the very nature of that is to stop, don't, you know, don't stop receiving, turn everything off, look away. That being said, the passion part of grasping can be tied up with uh, ignorance because you, instead of looking at something, you might go in and make excuses for it. Passion, you might blame something. Passion, you might blame yourself. Passion you might do all kinds of activity things which tend to cover up the actual situation as it is. Or you might murder it. You might get rid of it. You might uh, be some, do something really aggressive, which is also ignorance because you're you're actually, as I metaphor that works a little bit is you're actually stabbing your own heart because you're not separate from anyone. Your heart heart is beating everywhere. You're, you're, you're the living living beings are not separate from each other. Separated, yes. Lots of definite boundaries there, but fundamentally, human beings, human beings. The indigenous people knew this deeply. Uh, quite a few cultures by. However, it happens, just happen to have either a person there or the situation was such that they could they could bring that that uh, value into prominence where other cultures have kind of gone the other way and and been all about control and manipulation and slavery and so on. More. Questions if you have them. Um, the way you described um, receiving panoramic. I'm wondering, um, what does it look like when you receive something that's more focused, like a person that's difficult? Uh, if you don't do anything with it, then you, you'll be somewhat lost. If you do something with it, you might slowly back into this person's confused. You might back up and have a heavier judgment on them. You might actually reverse it and give yourself credit for just being with them. It's bullshit, basically, to use the fancy word. 
You thought I was going to say Sanskrit. (laughs) (laughs) Not also. I don't always say Sanskrit. (laughs) I'm just really... Yeah, go ahead, please. Please, go ahead. Um, Because it seems like when I'm rejecting somebody, um, that's the difficulty. Yeah. Um, So it seems like some action needs to be taken. To do nothing, would I continue to reject them then? So... You're giving me some abstractions. Uh, you might have to, in order to address this, I might have to say, have you tell a little bit more about the story. It's not always the case, but this would happen. Yeah, I would say it happens all the time with children, where a child yeah. does something, and I want to be like, oh, now, 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 punishment time for something. Okay. Okay, so so everybody knows Lutayo and Shiets or have a child here. I think it's called Play Toys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, Pathways. So, uh, and so that's my, so you could say, say a little bit more. Uh, so wait, this is someone else's child. You, they're in your care. You're taking care of them. They're, uh, I think I recall you talking about that fellow. <laughs> it sounds like the same mudra. <laughs> He's, uh, so, um, so what was the question? Relative to that? Well, the impulse is to meet that energy. Um, and with aggression. Yeah. Okay. What's the question? What does receiving look like when that's what's arising? Receive your aggression. Receive your own aggression. Don't work on receiving his aggression. Your aggression. Is the, yours, you have the aggression. He doesn't. Your aggression. Not easy. Train the mind. Sit down, hold still, and get really familiar with all the things you've been hiding from for the last 22 years. I mean, 22. <laughs> <laughs> kind of Kind of a More about that if you haven't. It's a good, good question. But it, take us down into it. The space in between, though, like the arising and then the, the project, like the acting on that, that anger. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really act on it, do you? It squeaks out. <laughs> like a mouse? Oh, like a tea kettle. That's okay. You know, and the other thing is that is a little bit of. I'm not saying you're missing it, but they're, they're, these young people, really young people, are looking for someone who's genuine. They're, they all know about warfare and peace fair. Those are the two poles. They already know about that. They're, they're, it's called uh, innocence. They already know about it. So be genuine. You can be you can be angry, but but be angry out of the situation you're in. So being aware of your aggression. If you're not aware of that aggression, then sometimes you, what do they call it, taking it personal. Suddenly you pissed off at this little kid, you know, because he's just dumped a whole bunch of negativity into you. Your negativity. It's always your negativity. Even if somebody's coming at you with an AK-47, it is your negativity. If you think otherwise, then the polarity keeps going of uh, living and dying, killing, aggression, blame, praise and blame, praise and praise and blame. It's just endless. So... It's called, uh, what's that fancy word? Responsibility. You're responsible for everything. There isn't anything that isn't your fault, and there isn't anything that isn't your credit. Is suppressing that aggression encouraging? It could be. uh, What I would have to say about that is if there's a lot of awareness around what is coming and going, including aggression, including the the anger of the child or the the anger that this... uh, this child is because of their, they're uncontrollable. They're trying to express themselves. And who knows what kind of karma they're coming out of. 
but apparently they're here. <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're locked and loaded. They want to fight. And so they're a little tiny person. So how do you work with that where you're not shutting it down, creating more, going to war with war? And I'm not a, haven't been trained in anything other than what is this? I've been trained uh, as a monk. So my way of working with this is much different than a therapist would be. I don't want to fix anybody. There's nothing's broken. You think there's something broken? I'm not saying you're wrong. Relatively, you're correct. But ultimately, ultimately, this is a misperception and just leads to more crazy materialism, getting this, losing this, getting and losing that. So further? What did you get? Um, I guess suppressing anything. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, don't, 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 you know, it's not going to, you know, it might be painful, it might hurt. But, but you know, if you really want to see, you're going to have to experience the suffering part of it. To close it up with, uh, this is why meditation practice is so valuable, is it tends to start to cut into the energy that fuels that part of the mind that wants to stop something or try to control something. And uh, there's, if you see that nothing is separate from anything else, your idea about controlling anything is, is gone. You appreciate cooperation. You appreciate communication. You appreciate collaboration. But, you know, if somebody goes another direction, you know, you might have some disappointment, but there's respect for that. You have respect, even though you might, uh, your, your mind might tag along with some kind of idea that they're confused or they shouldn't really leave. They're better if they study under me. Baloney. Go ahead. You. <laughs> um, More about that child? A little bit. I'm thinking about shutting down um, completely. So I, it's not like... Question. Yeah. Wonder if I... What do you do? Spit it out. <laughs> it won't embarrass you. No, I can't. And, and it's the question. There's, there's these like currents that I can kind of feel, but I don't know what they are, and I don't know how to receive them. Okay. But I feel that they're the things. That's my ignorance. So how, how do I see what this is when I feel like I'm wearing earmuffs and blankets? That's awareness. To feel like you use that image, just awareness. So don't do anything with it. Just be aware of the earmuffs. Or if the image changes into something else, just it's awareness, awareness, awareness. There's nothing to accomplish. If you think there is, you'll start to go in circles. And it's very subtle circles which which fuel the ego and the self-centeredness. You want to see through this, you want to if you want to step onto a spiritual path, you're you're gonna to have to leave your maps behind. Because if you if you go with a map, I'm not saying that the the Samdina, Machana Sutra, the Heart Sutra, Diamond Sutra aren't some kind of map, but all they do is give you a recipe or maybe a description of what you need to look at or for. There isn't anything I say that you can't be, we can't find in the sutras. I haven't read them all, but I have an understanding that is, doesn't seem to be in, in opposition to any of that. So that's why I have people study eight times a week. Question, Laura? <laughs> yes. Uh, Juzan from uh, the Monastery of Battle Creek has a question. He asks, how can we not take our own negativity personal? Just by watching the way you personalize it. 
you know, negativity comes up and uh, the, the, rather than just look at the negativity and feel the negativity, uh, just like uh, um, I would use another kind of metaphor, like you're listening to, let's say you, let's say you like uh, Mozart. So you're at a concert and you hear this played and the feeling that comes up is triggered, but it's your feeling. So it's your feeling, but it, it can't happen without Mozart. So is it Mozart or is it yours or who really, who owns anything? Nobody owns anything. So it's seeing that use this, uh, Jews on, is it Jews on? Use this to see deeply that not only your own personal feeling about it, but that also goes into anything that's triggering it. It's not separate. The way in which it's not personal is it's not just yours. Just like the anger that might be triggered by this child, that's not very pleasant, but a powerful intimacy. Don't miss that. Meet that child where he, she, they are at. And not necessarily with anger, but also if you're doing it with awareness, you may get angry with it. But it needs to come out of the awareness, not out of some kind of analysis about, well, I think I will... You know, I've read Piaget, so I, now I know how to handle children. Uh, he knew how to write books. So just come out of your awareness. When I say trust yourself, I'm not saying believe your thoughts. I'm just saying see that there's there's not really two people there. That anytime you have one person acting just like this situation, there's not there's really no teacher here. There's no one here, and there's no one there. So have to see it. If you don't see it, then it's kind of kind of an odd structure that doesn't make much sense that psychologists or highly intelligent people way more intelligent than I am, three or four PhDs in a row, or, or maybe not, can, if they come and present themselves, which on occasion that happens, uh, I, I don't think I argue with anyone about anything. I have nothing to prove. And so you don't have anything to prove to that child. More? Yeah, this is a little more personal. Um, Good. <laughs> um, Personal. And this sounds really bad when I say it out loud, but um, whatever. Um, whisper, whisper. <laughs> um, two children, one child held down another child's hand, and, yeah. and the second child took a water bottle, hit him in the penis. Mm-hmm. And so we got serious, like, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, you know, like, serious, and then we, whatever. And then 20 minutes later, we're playing the game, and the child that did the hitting said, Get him in the wiener. We're like, mm-hmm. You can't do that. It got serious again. And then five minutes later, this child, the same child. Ages? Uh, five to seven. Okay. And then 10 minutes later, this child pretending to be dead. And the two children that did the, the wiener hitting, they came and started hitting them with yeah. these things. And so even though we're being direct and we're clear boundaries, it just keeps showing up. What are you in this business for? Well, and that's the thing. I just feel powerless. I mean, what... That's what, not so bad. What can you do when this when communicate? So I mean, are there ages? I, I'd have to just about talk to them, but, but try to come out of the awareness. And the way you come out of the awareness is you don't don't come at it with a solution. If you come at it with a solution, then you've actually stopped looking at it because you don't want the feeling of being powerless. You'd rather have the feeling of being in charge or having a solution. This is why solutions are so impressive. But uh, plans don't work. That's why they call them plans. They don't work. You know, I don't, I'm not saying you don't need a plan. You may need a bunch of plans, but they're not going to exactly because everything is constantly fluctuating and changing, including these uh, three young people. So I would, uh, uh, and this is just 
just coming, trying to come up with something that may, may, makes some sense. I probably would have to talk to you privately about it. But one of the things you could do is change the, the dynamic, change the ch- stage, stage setting. Come in and no criticism, no nothing about the, what the child is doing or what they're yelling to each other. But notice the, the dynamics that are happening and just change the whole dynamic. You, you might not be able to enter their minds and turn off switches or turn on switches, but you can change that. Um, put, them, put them all in the boat. You have a boat there. It's your boat, right? <laughs> put them in the boat. Say, and don't do anything by buying into what's happening. Just say, time to go to the boat. And then put them in the boat and then give them a job in the boat. Give them a strong form to work with. And the one who is the, is the uh, is getting beat up on, make them the captain. And then say, and then children really like forms. I mean, people, children really like to make believe. It's they're not even make believe. It's real to them when they're in a boat and they're on the ocean. Help them a little bit. Say this: all this dirt around you have sand all around those boats, right? That boat. That's the ocean. There's sharks. You have to get away from the sharks. I mean, you know, you're inventive. Make up stuff. You know, do you know? Do then, and as soon as they start to catch on, then you can leave. Them. And that's not that that won't happen again, but that's why it's called a practice. That's why you just practice it. You just keep meeting them where they're at. With us, with some kind of a form that will help them without getting in the way of their playing, but uh, change the dynamic a little bit. Uh, fundamentally, there's probably some pretty difficult karma that's showing up there for that child, and 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 you could dependent origination is just basically saying that nobody's to blame for anything. You know, even somebody who commits a horrible crime, you can't really blame them because they had parents, and those parents had parents, and. And they were treated a certain way when they were growing up. And so they're kind of loaded up with all kinds of uh, things they're trying to hide out from and not look at. They're embarrassing because because society is so crazy that it won't actually be genuine and talk about sexual stuff and everything. So it, it was, goes underground and shows up in uh, horrible uh, ways where people are harmed and other people get powerful and so on. So awareness. Sit a lot. How much you said? Uh, Sit more. <laughs> <laughs> a couple hours a week. Uh, we've been doing the four hour black sentence every Friday. Good. You know. I did tell you to do that. They tell you too? Yeah. Don't you send me a text saying that? Yeah. Keep doing that. I'm not the boss of you, but. That's a that's a challenging. I mean, I'm I'm just knowing both of you. I'm just delighted. I like to say that you, you know, I can't imagine two people who would be better working with young people like that than you guys. So good for you. Further questions? Um, regarding um, Tayo. Regarding and just the topic of um, responding when you're having aggression. Or- Having a difficult situation, um, I'm, I'm asking this because it just came to me, and maybe it's just a semantical thing. But um, so uh, being genuine when you're having an aggressive feeling, um, you can't always behave genuinely. I'm not talking about behavior so much. A little so, bit. Okay. What's so your question? Let's is do that. What's your question? As long as you have awareness when you're fielding these emotions, 
you you can behave. Uh, What's your question? In a way, I'm asking, how does one behave when you are are having such difficult feelings that may not be? Uh, you just cannot. Uh, I follow you. Is that the question? I'm ready to respond. So don't abandon the other sense fields. What happens when somebody starts having any kind of emotion, then the awareness is all absorbed like a sponge up into the thought process. And we begin to think and worry and wonder, should we, should we judge ourselves, judge others. We have these little mini panics. Excuse me. We have these little mini skirmishes about fighting with ourselves and whatever. We're totally ignoring the sense of sight. There's just enough to let us know we're still in the room. We're no, totally ex ignoring our feelings. This is one of the five sense fields. Don't ignore those. Uh, include those. So when that happens, if you're a meditator, this is just, uh, I don't think it's automatic, but it's something that you, you're you aware that you need to be genuinely present. You're, you're abandoning all the senses that are always in the present. That one. This one. These. And you're going into the, 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 the mind, which is a sense organ that is extremely abstract and it's uh, has no location. I don't care what they say about the brain. That's just a processor. But consciousness is everywhere. Consciousness is in that window. Consciousness is through the roof. It's in uh, it's in uh, uh, Europe. Even though your the, the reception is here through your sense fields, but who you are fundamentally has no location. When the body mind drops, when this thing that you you call me goes back into the into the the uh, elements. Fire, earth, air, water goes back into that. You're not going anywhere because you aren't anywhere. Your consciousness is not going anywhere. Now, I'm not saying that you couldn't, out of fear, close up and stay there for thousands of years in, a, in some kind of a protection. Could happen. But also, it could you could go another way and actually open up to the reality that you have been looking for while you're facing a wall. There's no guarantee of anything. There's no solution to anything. Why? There's no problem. Create the problem. So in that situation, just, just stay in your senses. It can be simple. You can sometimes I say just rotate between a couple, alternating sense perception. You're thinking, you know, something's coming up. You're getting emotional about something. And just don't stop that. Don't meddle with that situation, but include the sense of touch. Your butt feels in the chair. Uh, how you're even, even move your arm a little bit. And just notice that how the awareness, if you put your awareness on the arm, that when you do that, just a simple gesture like moving your hand, changing your body position, especially if somebody you're interacting with somebody and they're watching you, uh, that softens up there. If you, awareness is not separate. Uh, consciousness doesn't belong to anybody. If you think it does, probably going to be more difficult. But it also doesn't doesn't mean that it's uh that we're all one or something like that to go into some kind of extravagant fluffing up of the whole thing and being idealistic. So, but pragmatically just stay in your senses. You're here, your body's here, your mind is, uh, uh, consciousness is somewhere in this area. Um, so you're having a challenging situation. Maybe someone's challenging you. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're aware that you you're embodied and they are, they may have abandoned their, physical form altogether, their sense fields to go up into so they have a good case for hammering at you. But if you meet somebody who is present, 
you, you can have a hard time making any kind of case for anything, even if your logic is absolutely perfect, because you're not talking to another person. You're talking to the fundamental nature of reality all the time. There's only one thing going on, and even that's suspicious. No claims. Helpful? A little bit? Just make it pragmatic. Just touch sight. Use, use your favorite sense. If it's hearing or it's usually hearing or sight will be stronger in one person than another. Everybody has a sense, uh, sense of touch. But just alternate. As you're having your talk, you'll notice that you don't miss. You're actually more clear about what you're saying if you're including your presence as a physical being. Because this won't last. While you're here, you know, it's like consciousness is everywhere, all over the place. And then for 60, 70 years or whatever, you get an anchor. And this is, that's why this is called a school. Most of the world is not looking at this as a school. They look at it as somewhere to get ahead, somewhere to protect themselves, somewhere to control people and control their lives and get successful. And there's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with being a failure. But, but those are polarities. Uh, even uh, awakening and confusion are polarities. They are not separate. So it's not confusion. Uh, the very conf thing you call it, calling confusion is your awakening. Go right into it. And if you want to do that, this is a way to do it. Talking to this old man or training your mind, sitting or both, sitting, looking at the wall and look at the confusion instead of making up shit about it. Uh, well, it's because of this, because of that. As soon as you say because, you have abandoned the very thing you should be, uh, you've opted for. What's that fancy word? I use? Epidemiology. Well, it looks like it's true. So let's call it true. Kind of looks true. Whereas some, if somebody goes in and says, you know, you, may, you know that thing that we, the people out in the middle of the desert, and you know that thing that uh, we drink? A whole bunch of it over there. It's called an ocean. So awareness, 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 always. Further questions? Questions from, from, from nobody? <laughs> <laughs> or from, yeah, go ahead. You said there's only one thing Yeah, but then I backed out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be very careful. I don't make any statements that you can hold me to. We're not all one. A better way of saying it is we're not separate. And that, that appreciates all the various, the variations that are just innumerable. And even innumerable is an understatement. Zuzan has another question. He would. <laughs> if the brain is just a processor, what's the hard drive? Where is the alia? What was the question? Any two questions? If the brain is just a processor, what's the hard drive? Metaphor doesn't go that far. Where is the alia? Um, the, the metaphors only go so far. And won't, the area he wants to go with the kind of intellect that I'm addressing here. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it works somewhat, but it won't. It won't go. It won't go far. I, if, if I could, I would use that and elaborate on that. But um, he's way too smart for it to be good. It's a good question, but it's difficult to take that and kind of you know. If I were a scholar, I could probably crunch that and come up with something pretty fancy using those metaphors. But. Uh, only go so far. The hard drive, the the, um, the consciousness, the way that all works. Um, 
you, you say a lot, you know, well, what, the, you know what is this? Um, but what I observe seems to be more of a process. So I'm wondering, what is something that never stops moving? And how can I see what it is without it stopping? So what's the first question? Uh, how can I see what this is if what this is never stops moving? Sit still and watch it. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. In other words, don't agree with it. Don't subtract or judge it or take any value away from it. That's not real. That can be. And don't don't look away. Don't distract yourself into something else. Hold still and do that until the dust settles. Why wouldn't I look at how this is? Circular. How is that circular? Because there's there's so many hows. On our brown cow. But isn't there so many what? What is a, a true, but what is a little bit more direct? If you say how, then you're looking at your, your like you said, process, you're backing up into process. Uh, if you want to go into process, it should start with what is it? And then, then that might be a lot of what, a lot of the idea of what that is until you, you could say just a relative way. And here again, I'm getting into an area that's more conceptual, which is, uh, uh something could be helpful, but that will, you'll get some kind of, uh, without doing anything, some kind of closure will there and you'll automatically go into process or into how. What is arising out of the process though? That's too much. Go back to the, what is this? If you're trying to find a result or trying to find a credential, this is materialism. Not wrong, not bad. I mean, if you're going to build a log cabin, get some logs. You know, how many are you going to need? I mean, you need doorknobs? Nah, probably not. Just push the, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of considerations around that. How, 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 how. So, but what we're looking at is something that is, uh, is not, that it's not, doesn't have a material aspect to it, but the, the way it functions is, uh, is uh, much deeper in consciousness than just our thought process. It's actually beyond the thought process. If I were just sitting here just thinking, um, this would be probably not too workable. I don't, I'm not saying I don't think, I'm just saying that I, 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 I'm, I'm received all the time. Yes. So good. Is there a better concept to use? Uh, delusion, uh, crappy feeling, uh, crappy feeling. Yeah. Where, where are you going with it? Because I don't want to. I don't want to like shut the whole thing down. If you've got another way of asking it. Yeah. Meditation, being controlled, listening to you. It's all it feels like confusion, but some you said it's the path to awakening. It is. There's more around that that could be helpful to a mind that wants to know. Yeah. Uh, not not only receive the con the confusion, but also re receive what springs up as being triggered by the confusion. In other words, your own addition to it. Receive that to turn it. Don't turn it into a, a judgment about the confusion that needs some kind of something to help it or cure it or solve it, turn that, receive, receive that also. 
that that, uh, that is triggered by the confusion is no, also not separate from the confusion. And, and because if anything is left out of that, then the polarity continues to be, it gets kind of validated as being right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, true and untrue, confusion and clarity. So confusion, um, let's put it this way. Clarity is confusion understood deeply. You understand confusion deeply. Uh, there, there's there's neither confusion nor there's no no there's not sleeping there's not awakening because there's no solid being anymore. So it leads up it, the key to this. If I may say it this way is a mistaken identity. We have, because we have a body because we can blink our eyes because we can decide to have uh, fried eggs or fried eggs and ham. Yeah, we can do that. We can we have we reinforce our separation. I can pick this up. I can. I don't want to ring the bell, so I'll put this over here. I can dump the water off on the floor. I'm not going to do that. That would be way too zenny. So include, 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 include the the the, the feeling, the feeling, the difficulty, and then and then notice that the, that you're actually adding something onto it, which is a feeling of this is too confusing, or I need more help in this, or and add that. Include that as something you're receiving. More receiving, just like you're receiving what I'm saying. Are you adding anything on to what I'm saying? What are you adding? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should teach that kind of thing. You guys are awesome. <laughs> you know, I told you earlier what the, the long form of awe is. What was it? awful? Yeah. That's awful. I mean, awesome. Excuse me. <laughs> yes, Rasheen. In our daily life, when we're interacting and we see something arise, and we're trying not to get onto it, let's say it's a feeling of you see someone, you're happy to see them, and all of a sudden you feel like they're not happy to see you, yeah. and you are and you're like, oh, they're judging me. We can't go through our lives always, every situation being like, here's what I'm feeling. Is that really what ha is happening, right? I mean, that would be exhausting. So what, how do we know when we should engage in that and when we should just watch it quietly? You should always watch it quietly. Don't engage unless you have to. If you, if you, if you come up with an idea, I should engage misunderstanding and that's a very subtle form the way the self-centeredness keeps trying to have some kind of control of everything it, it's a it is a feeling uh, for most practitioners who get as you go along on this path it's uh, beginning to feeling more and more helpless and at the same time more and more clear about the helplessness it's a, it's a, it's the path to no self go ahead to end suffering, to end, we can't end pain. Pain is nerve endings. So we've got those who are going to have some discomfort, but there's unnecessary suffering that is, that is made up of wanting things to be different than they are. As the Buddha said 2,500 years ago, we're trying to look at that situation and lighten the load for people. Some people are, you know, we're all having some suffering, but some people are in prisons and being beaten every day. I mean, have extreme physical pain or they're, 
taken away from their parents, as we hear about. There's just horrible things people are doing. And then there's a whole lot of horrible things we're probably not even hearing about that people are doing. So, and then we're, well, we've, we're free and well-favored. We're free to come to this meeting. We're well-favored in that our mind isn't so filled with some kind of uh, other people's ideas and opinions and beliefs and whatever, fundamentalism or whatever, whatever, whatever you want to call it. You're not even open to hearing this. A lot of empty chairs. Not many people are ready to hear this. And I'm not about promoting it. I mean, I'm about posting it. And this is what we're doing. But no guarantees, no promises. Don't convert anybody. If, if they hear it, they'll convert themselves. If you want to call it conversion. So less is better. Don't, you don't have to explain or apologize or excuse. Just be with the emotion or the feeling is coming up and do nothing with it. That's really bad for my career. I know it is. I teach, you know, I'm 150 students that I'm teaching. What is communication? <laughs> I know. Hours and hours. I can tell you that the thing you need to emphasize, my dear, is receiving. Communication is not speaking. I mean, I'm speaking, of course, but I don't do this all day long, or do I? I do this all day I do. I listen to you a little bit. Remember that one time I was listening? <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, years ago. So as much as you can, uh, I would emphasize the receiving part and then not adding any comment onto what's coming. If the comment needs to be there, then out of dependent origination, out of the mutuality of, of our life as human beings on the earth, and that, that's probably going to show up if your intention is to be kind to yourself. It's very hard to be kind to others if you're at war and under your ribcage. If you've got a war going on here that all, you only know about when somebody else stirs things up, just like the little boy stirring things up for you, that's your war, not his. If, if, if there was a complete uh, peace here, uh, then there's no way that that little boy uh, could uh, trigger anything. With you. And if he did, then you should knock him on his ass. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I was... Pretty, pretty abused. I, I, I know what it's like to be a little boy like that. So more about that. That's good. Communication. We could talk about that at some other point. That's a happy to bring that up because communication is the, is the receiving. We have to receive. And we have to receive the, the confusion that's coming our way out of the thing rather than try to connect or readjust it. You could, I'm not trying to teach your class or anything, but you could... Have people uh, sit down face to face and have them uh, communicate about uh, extremely abstract ideas, not conceptual, just abstractions. Explain to have one someone explain and have say, all you get to do is listen. All you get to do is talk. Give them a hand them a slip that has a word on it. Explain what this is and have one word on it. And it could be anything. It could be vegetables. It could be uh, consciousness. Make it make it difficult and then say, explain what this is, but don't say what you're explaining. Don't say, I'm going to tell you about consciousness. Just start to describe it. It'll be pretty fun. I wish I could be there. Yes, sir. Gary. What's the difference between listening and receiving? Is it just receiving, including everything? And then listening so is the process. It, it could be. But when I, when I talk about receiving, I'm saying, uh, insofar as you can, a couple of ways of talking about receive by just listening 
receive what's happening without adding anything to it. And if you do add on to it, then just notice that what you're getting, you're actually clouding up with your opinions about it. So it's not about not doing that so much. I might say just receive, but then I can't just do that. So I, I add on to things people say or things that happen. I have opinions and ideas. So, but you have to start somewhere. So first we need to witness the way in which we can't quite just be, be generous. Just give everything our attention. Give everything your attention. That's fundamental generosity. Look at everyone, everything. Just see them. And if you're if you're really seeing, if you're really looking, if you're really hearing, you won't know what you're looking at or what you're receiving. If you know, then you're labeling things. Argue with me. No, I don't do that. Yes. So in the um, talking about being triggered. I'm listening. If you're triggered, um, if there's no motion out towards whatever you think it is in front of you, if it's just the feeling arising that seems hot. There's always emotion coming out. Is that being triggered or can you feel heat without? If that? you get upset, I can say, I know you're upset. If you're uh, upstate, I guess we're all upstate right now. You don't call it upstate? No, downstate. Up it's a Michigan thing. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me. Please. What else can I learn? What was your question? I'm sorry. I apologize. If, if there is a situation and you feel an intense emotion arise, yes. does it always mean you're being triggered? I wouldn't say always. I think it's always that way, but there's a good possibility that's what's happening. So how do you know that you said, if you know what you're looking at, you won't know what it is. So how can you work with the idea of a trigger without trying to... What's your question? How can you work with it? I mean, give me a be more, uh, what's that fancy word? Succinct? Is that a good word? Communicator? Is being triggered a problem? No, it's, it's, there's no problem anyway. There's nothing to fix. It's about awareness of that. And as long as there's someone that someone who doesn't want to be triggered, then that's that's the self. That's the that's the imputed or imagined self that needs protecting. Needs to be right. Uh, that's one of your problems. You need to be right. Defend yourself. <laughs> That's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. <laughs> Smarter than I give you credit for. <laughs> I thought you were going to cower and run away, but you didn't. This is a tricky one. But it's true. I mean, uh, everyone has a different kind of uh, uh, pride in who they are, what they are, what they think, who's right, who's wrong, how do I look, how do I appear, what do the neighbors think, those kind of things. Everyone operates. People don't want to be wrong. I mean, even in a relative situation, not just Kozan, but me. How do I know about it? I'm, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be incorrect about something or say something wrong. So it's not about getting rid of that. It's about being aware of that and looking at the identity that is an imagined. There is no solid you anywhere. Your identity is discontinuous. Otherwise, you wouldn't need, you wouldn't be affected by any criticism. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't need any support. You wouldn't need any accolades. You wouldn't even need company. You could live by yourself indefinitely. Laura. You say, you say there's nothing to fix. And 
how, I don't know, how do you figure that up with all the suffering in the world? First work on your own. Sit down, hold still, look at your own, look at the war here. Look, was this war? If, if this war is, if there's still skirmishes under your rib cage, it's a metaphor, probably doesn't work very well, but if you're still at some kind of disagreement or objecting and which man, might manifest with your coworkers or, or, or someone you live with or your, your mate, your, your uh, husband uh, or something like that or somebody, then that's probably something that needs uh, to be looked at. But the war, that that area is uh, is very. It's not that there isn't crazy stuff happening. But my goodness, I, mean, I would say just looking at it, are we going to make it, or we're going to go on? Is there going to be another hundred years, or is it going to come to an end? I, but we're not in a position to. I'm not saying don't vote, don't misunderstand. I'm saying if if a form comes up that you can a participation that comes in that's workable, then of course, and look at it and participate with the rest of the world and so far as you can. And, and you may, uh, you know, I would sometimes say if one of my students uh, comes to me, someone say someone, a really close person that like that lives at the monastery or is a fully ordained as a monk, if they suddenly come to me and say, I've got to go to Syria. I have to, I've been looking at the news and I need to go to South America or something. I need to go to Venezuela or I need to, I need to go down to the border and help the, the people that are coming across. I don't know what to do. I can't get it off my mind. I, I wouldn't stop them. I, mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily support them. I say, you really want to do this? This is a this is a big one. You really want to do this? So I've tried to hold them back a little bit to give them. But if they're a student of mine and they they tell me that there's probably a lot of karma going on there with that particular person's lifetime that I don't understand and I have no right to meddle in. Even though I'm a Dharma teacher, even though some teachers who who I think misunderstand what it means to be a Dharma teacher try to control people. And sometimes even cults form because of the need to control. So not interested in that. So I probably would say, well, keep in touch. Take your smartphone. Send me a text. <laughs> I wouldn't want them. I would try to probably say, don't, you know, are you sure? What are you, what are you going by? And just they might say, I don't know. I just have to go down there. I have to go. I have to go protest uh, uh, with the, the, the pipeline situation, which I felt a strong call there when the indigenous people are being mistreated by everybody. That was, that was a hard one to not, if any of you follow, it's just difficult because people being mistreated and disrespected and everything, it's hard not to participate. But I would say, train your mind. Train your mind. Gary? Would it be a good idea in that circumstance? Uh, this has to do with ignorance. To shut out the news. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to it for a month and then see if it's still called. I, I think you could, but you know, there's a little bit too much manipulation going on there. Uh, I would say keep it to a minimum. Uh, I always uh, recommend if it comes up that you know you should stay in touch with the world, whatever that is that comes over the CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or what. I mean, they're, they're all at a different position on it. Uh, and uh, I don't really want to get into the political stuff, uh, particularly because it's it's just too too fraught with, with opinions and ideas and. The 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 the, the dis misunderstanding has been going on for decades and decades and decades. This is not there's not just some new people that are evil and everything is fine when George Bush or Ronald Reagan or or George Washington for that matter. You know, there's no spiritual leadership. There's no true spiritual leadership. Even Dalai Lama is a great spiritual leader, but he's is what do you say? His hands are tied. He, he doesn't have a lot of influence. He just He's just a thorn in the 
Chinese side <laughs> because of, because he doesn't fight. He's not doesn't fight with anybody. Yes. As a bodhisattva, the vow we would take is that we not only save ourselves but save other. Yes. Well, how are we supposed to save other people? I can help you. Okay. You ready? Yes, I'm okay. ready. Okay, save yourself. And how do you do that? Find out who you are. Because you can't save your idea of yourself. You can't save your idea of someone else. This is just um, idealism, patriotism, and all the other fancy words that, that, that masquerade as some kind of a true path of helping others. Find out who you are, because if you don't, then you'll, then you'll project onto people uh, what you think they are rather than who they actually are. And you'll buy into their uh, ideology or whatever. Not that it's wrong. So find out who you are. How do you do that? You sit down, hold still, look at the mind, have the support of a mentor, someone who can say, mm, do this. No, don't do that anymore. Stop. I'll start doing this. And so someone that can help you, someone that you can maybe not trust, but at least give the benefit of the doubt to, and at least uh, listen to their uh, recommendations and, and begin to go deeper into this uh it's amazing thing that, that as a human being, consciousness has been downloaded. That consciousness belongs to no one. It's not a separate being. The body is separated. So when consciousness shows up on receiving through the six sense fields, seems like we're an individual. Nope, we're not. May I push further? Push away. Um, so if we... To get to know ourselves, eventually, only, we will only really know ourselves, then we become the Buddha. How do you know that? Pardon? Uh. Well, he's the awakened one, right? And then what you're saying is get awakened, become aware and get awakened. And if one gets awakened fully, who knows when, after eons and eons and eons. Question. Then, at that point, do you save people? Because, because what's the difference between a bodhisattva who says, I'm going to save myself first and not worry about others, or a Mahayana one who says, I'm going to save myself and others? Sounds good to me. Say that again. Sounds good to me. I'll ask. <laughs> save, save yourself. We're not separate mothers. Separated sometimes so intensely that we fight with each other and torture each other. But you're always torturing yourself. You aren't separate from anyone. To realize that is powerful. So it, it, it transforms one, one's life without being somebody else. You actually are completely yourself. You're totally genuine. You're no longer deceiving yourself or anyone. And you're not separate from anyone. So therefore, to save yourself is saving others. You're no longer going to, as a Trump Rinpoche, my uh, first teacher said, you may not attain awakening, but at least you won't be a nuisance to everybody. Karen. I was curious, have you ever, when someone has brought up to you, I, I want to go to Venezuela or I want to yeah. march there or whatever the cause, yeah. have you ever said, that's a good idea, you should go do that? I probably would never say that's a good idea. I, I'm just saying if it would, I'm just trying to use that as an example that I, I would look at it. I wouldn't just uh, set up a standard. You can't, if you're a student of mine, you can't do anything without my permission. People tend to ask me for permission, which I think is just out of respect. 
you know, and I say, sure, go ahead, you know, take a vacation. One of the temple residents is going to leave for three weeks. She's going out west, do some training and so on. So I think it's good to have some contrast between living in a monastery and hanging out in Grand Canyon. But like, for instance, I'm going to use a Chazon. Chazon at one point wanted to go join. Wasn't it the Peace Corps? And I told him no. But it, it, he's a little bit different. He's a he, he's a fully ordained monk who lives at the monastery. And uh, I don't want him to go anywhere. But so everyone's a little different. So there are some people who would say that. And I would I question it and say, you ever looked into the Peace Corps? That's not all the idealistic thing it's cracked up to be. Not that it's a bad thing, but it depends on where you go and who you're with. And there's so many variables in that that you have no idea what you're getting into. And you're under the thumb, I say that descriptively, of a, a huge organization. So... I might even say, depending on the person who was, I might just get a ticket and fly over there and help them. I'm going to help them. So, or I might not. I might say, don't go. Go somewhere else. Yes. You have to, that's a good question. You have to look at the, at the lies. You have to look at the untruth. And it's painful because it, because when we look at that, we don't really want to look at that. We want to abandon that and get to what's true. But the truth is in the lie. Actually, it's actually ultimate truth. Buddha nature is in delusion or confusion. You have to sit down and hold still. And this is why some forms of meditation tend to uh, take us away from that. Uh, Shamatha Vipassana is a, is a resting in tranquility and panoramic awareness. There's lots of meditations that, excuse me, that kind of, and it's not wrong. Some people are not ready to do this kind of Meditation is difficult. This is actually because it's so simple. There's not much of a prop there. So when you sit down and hold still, as I said earlier in the meditation instruction, you're actually right away begin to see the very thing you need to to know to be able to uh, slowly begin to stop fighting with everyone and everything, including your own projections, your own idea. You might have to go through a lot of crap, and it's difficult to do on your own. That's why it seems to be necessary to have a teacher who has, has some experience doing that. And even though you have to do it yourself, it seems necessary to have a teacher watch you do it. Because otherwise, the tenant, and it has as a, the Buddha, that's why the lineage is so important. But this particular way, this isn't the only way, other ways, but uh, from 2,500 years ago down to the present moment, it's warm hand to warm hand. I had two living teachers that I sat in front of and, and got help from. So therefore... I didn't really know I was getting the help. I just kept doing what they told me to do. And then something flipped over or something changed or uh, my blinders fell off. Nothing really happened. Same old, same old person. So it seems to be necessary to have uh, someone to kind of help you or watch you do it and be with you and be with you as you're going so that you can, you can a person goes this way or they start to have feelings of uh, accomplishment and uh, they're finally they're no longer confusion. Well, what did I say a few minutes ago? Well, I think I said it, confusion and awakening are not two different things. So it's, uh, they, they get their meaning from each other. It's called not to Advaita is a fancy Sanskrit word. Been, been around for centuries and centuries. So you have to look at the confusion. That's, that's not fun. But a spiritual path is not about feeling better. It's about seeing the truth. 
sit down, hold still, do it yourself, see it for yourself. And then Sant Buddha, teaching person, Dharma, what's being talked about, and Sangha, the community of people that are all trying to understand this teaching and support each other without interfering with each other. So anytime we look at another person in the Sangha, sometimes the temptation is, in any, as it is in any society, is to judge or evaluate or compare ourselves to their practice or how much they're active or, or they haven't been around much. So it's a real, it's real easy to get into that kind of, that's, that's why the Sangha is so valuable because it's like a cross-section of the world. So I sometimes say, and I'll say now, the people that are in your sangha are not necessarily people you would be friends with. That's why it works so good, because they're you're there because they're your your teacher and their teacher the same same woman, same person, and so. But yet, that isn't a person. If you're around them, it's kind of abrasive to be around them. They're difficult. It needs to be that way. That's part of it. That's that's how you get the interaction with people who are very genuinely, genuinely sincere and dedicated to awakening or dedicated to saving all beings or dedicated to being kind and good and happy and, and want happiness for others. And then you find someone else who has the same sincerity and dedication and everything, and yet they're doing it a different way. They're, they're approaching it a different way. So is that helpful? Any, any further question around that? Good one. Thank you. I wouldn't have said any of that if you hadn't asked that question. Thank you. Yes. Um, Bosker, who is normally in Houston, is in Washington, D.C. today. And he has a question. Have him ask me in Sanskrit. Then I couldn't read it. I couldn't understand it either. Yes. If we are just observing or receiving and we can see an emotion come up or an impulse to act come up, what do we do? So it's again, it's a it's a dependent thing. So if, if you're understanding, just say sitting, you're sitting, and it happens, or post meditation or meditation. If we are just observing or receiving. Okay, well, let's say post meditation. Uh, again, like I think I said earlier, just stay in your senses. Use the senses as an anchor. So not to get rid of the ideas, the thoughts, <laughs> the kind of the inclination to bark at somebody or to disagree or to create uh, some kind of a um, being rude or something. I'm not sure what I can imagine Bosker being rude. But, um, so just be present, but don't, don't abandon everything else. You, if, you're, if you're with your other senses, you might find it's a lot easier to not respond in kind. If you're just here and you're present and you're putting some emphasis on gravity. Don't forget gravity. Imagine what would happen if a, gra a gravity abandoned you for 10 minutes, especially if you're in the bathroom. Be really difficult. You'd be if you're in a house, it's okay because you just go up and hit the ceiling. But if you're outside, see ya. So yes. He's just clarifying. He says the question is while sitting. So while sitting uh, would be probably the easiest way to handle it to work with that is to just just look at it and just look at the texture of it. Sometimes uh, that's a metaphor or an image that I use so that when something conceptual comes up that has a strong structure with Oscar probably with you it probably would Oscar so a strong structure is look at the texture of it and what this does it kind of I don't know if I call it depersonalize it kind of personalizes it but I don't it does something to it that that takes away the strength of the preconception the strength of the name like aggression or depression or 
jealousy or anger, or any of those things that have names that are all, all uh, we all know what those mean and hear that word. But your personal uh, interpretation of that uh, is a concept about it. And the actual situation this comes up, if you look for texture, uh, you can even go into one of your senses. And this is a little bit of a protocol, but and it may be helpful and may not, but you could reflect on it. You could actually, instead of having that as a thought, you could go in and see if you can smell that. You could use one of the sense fields. You could see, you're probably already feeling it. We could go in, if, if that was a sound, how would that be? If that was if that was visual, how would that be? Especially if you're sitting this way, you're, you haven't abandoned your consciousness. You're just working with the consciousness in a way that you're rotating around it using the five sense fields. Five sense consciousnesses are very, very powerful quite often because we, because the, the, the mind is a dictator. We think we, ha- we think, we think, we think, we think we have to think about everything. We don't trust the site. We don't trust. When I say trust, you know, give it the benefit of the doubt. So you have to, you have to have all these, uh, a uh, fellow by the name of Norman O'Brown back in the 1950s wrote a book called Love's Body, where he talked about, he uh, called uh, the interaction overlay of the senses, polymorphous perversity, because it's like the, uh, the senses, if you're not objecting, agreeing, or doing anything with anything, the, the senses start to overlay into each other. Quite often there were just the word texture as a visual component, as a f- feeling component, has a, a taste component, as a smell component. Where texture has something about it's something about the consciousness that the immediacy of any of these is texture. So I would say that would be uh, for what you're asking about, Oscar. I would say that uh, look at the texture of it with any of the sense fields, or at least include them. You don't have to get away with the thinking process, but bring in uh, bring in some luggage. I'll show it down at the monastery, or show cut, sorry, at the monastery has a, a comment and then a, a question. And Bosker says, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Shoka says, in response to the recent question, a long time ago when I was trying to decide to travel for five months or come to the monastery, you told him to travel. And his question is, how does pride function in the service of others? Um, if you actually are aware of the pride, uh, that question will not arise. If you're really aware of your pride, it won't arise because you'll be at the service of others. You have to find out who you are before you're going to know what these people are. If you, if you don't know who this is, then everyone else will be confusing friends and enemies, friends and enemies and neutrals. Whereas uh, if you find out who this is and pride would be a good area to start as far as the self-centeredness, narcissism, then uh, that's the whole self, the belief in a self starts to collapse. When the belief in a self starts to collapse, you actually see who this is. Everywhere you look, you see the Buddha. You don't see anything but awakening in the midst of the confusion. But but you have to do it, because if you don't do it, then it's going to be some kind of idea, speculation. You write a philosophy book about it. It has to be seen. And I did tell him to go traveling. He wasn't ready to stay at a monastery yet. That's when he was studying shamanism. He traveled for five months. 
come back and then cut off his dreadlocks. <laughs> Time to settle down, become a monk. <laughs> should, should we close? Or should, one last question. If you have Real easy one. Okay, thank you so much.